Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Thank you. You can be, you can be seated. Um, we have a couple of our mission trip participants uh, who are going to use some pictures. So we'll let Jerry and Regina go first. And then uh, Jonathan, you'll be next up. And then we can just uh, go down the list here. We do have several people. Uh, ben Robertson, we went to the jail ministry yesterday at 4. He had a little bit of a runny nose. He sent some of us a text last night that he uh, has fever. So um, Ben was very bummed that he was not able to be here today. So if you could just pray that the Lord would heal him, give him a quick recovery. And I know John Gerani uh, also had... Uh, a cold. We're not exactly sure. He's got some crud. And Elise told me this morning that he actually went to urgent care. So let's pray uh, for John. And Elena is out of town and Susan is still in training uh, in Atlanta. She's going to be here next week and tell you about her upcoming year-long mission to India. It is absolutely phenomenal what the Lord will be doing through her and through the church. But uh, this is going to be a good share time. Let's Take this moment, once again, we prayed in Bible study. We're going to pray for the ones who are not feeling well. And I don't want this to scare y'all. A lot of you guys look scared, like, oh no, if I go to a mission trip, I'm going to come back sick. All right, don't let that worry you. Um, God is the great healer, and uh, it was a great trip. So let's just take this time right now to pray uh, for the ones who need healing. Lord, we know that nothing is too difficult for you, and you tell us that we have not because we ask not. So this morning, Father, we are asking you for for Ben and for John and for Susan as she recovers as well. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give them quick healing, that you would raise them up, that you would give them strength, Father, and you give them encouragement for not being able to be here today. I know they so wanted to, but we pray, God, that you would do that and you would bless everyone who's going to give a testimony. Lord, help this to be a joyful time. Help it to be a fun time. Just celebrating what you have done through us out of no work of our own, but we know, Father, it says in your word in the book of Philippians that you both work in us to will and to work for your glory. So we thank you for that, Father, and we just thank you once again for allowing um, this church to have the heart to reach people who are far away from us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've got Jerry Clark. Let's give a big hand for Jerry Clark coming up here. Of course, I get to go first. Uh, Jeff talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night at Bible study, and I truly believe that this trip I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Sunday started out 4 a.m. traveling, of course, and you know I didn't eat breakfast, I didn't eat lunch or dinner, and I didn't eat till Wednesday, really and truly. So I went for. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday afternoon before I actually ate any food. But it didn't affect me. And I was able to play hard with the kids and participate in everything. I didn't feel weak or troubled or anything. And I truly believe that the Lord was giving me strength to push through everything I was up against and drew me closer to him so, and just some of the ways that he worked with us through me during, during the week drew closer with my wife I think um, and him 
we've seen some wonderful things happen while we were there with the kids. And it really made your eyes open when you took these little walks down the streets and stuff like that in these communities that we're in. And very humbling experience. About all I have. over to my wife. Okay, well, we're going to tell you about a little boy named Larry. And um, Larry kind of touched our hearts throughout the whole week. And um, right from the very beginning, um, Larry kind of had, of our, our, had our attention, but probably for the wrong reasons, because he, um, he was a pistol. He was wide open. He was kicking and screaming, and he was violent with the puppets and each other. And, um, and yeah, the first day I met him, he'd come out swinging and kicking and punching me. Yeah, the only way that he really could you know, we could communicate with him, was Jerry just wrapped him in his arms and he just would spin him around. So the first day, Jerry stayed pretty dizzy, but <laughs> um, with, with no food, yeah. <laughs> um, but whatever it took, it worked. Um, this little boy, um, like I said, he was just a spitfire from the very beginning. And to kind of preface our story, Pure Vita offers um, a sponsorship program through... Um, as part of their mission. And when a person um, chooses to sponsor a child, they are helping support them and put them through school. And so uh, there's a large majority of the students, there's like 90-some percent that go through sixth grade, but after that, it's way less, like 60, 70 percent, I think, if that, um, actually will continue past sixth grade. And so that's huge. And we all know that the longer that a student can stay in school, the greater chance they have of becoming successful and actually um, doing something with their life. And so we knew going down that we may choose to sponsor a child. We just didn't know which one or where we'd meet this child or if we'd even get to meet him. And I remember on Monday, we went to the site, and, you know, I'm looking at all the kids and their needs, and I remember spotting Larry, and I said, well, we will not be sponsoring that kid. Because, yeah. So, and the next picture just shows, you can see we're doing a song here, but that's the only way he knew to, to communicate. You can tell he's kicking. He's the little boy that Andrea, our translator, is holding. Um, that's pretty much how we had to do with him. Um, but by Thursday, um, Jerry and I were what we call the tour gods, and we got to actually um, tell the Bible story that day, and we preached a little bit, um, or talked a little bit about salvation, and Jerry did a good demonstration with that. And throughout the week, we could see Larry was wide open, but then when it came time to do the Bible studies and the lessons, he would usually sit with somebody, he would be the first to answer the questions, he was the first to memorize the memory verse and share it with other people, he loved doing the crafts. And so each day we could see a little bit of a change in him, and by Thursday, um, we were doing um, our lesson and we asked, would anybody like to accept Jesus into their heart? And he raised his hand. And so that became a very special moment for us. Um, because I know that it's nothing that either one of us did, but rather all of us and all the people that came before us. They had laid the groundwork for us to, for his heart to be ready to accept Jesus. So this leads us to this moment. Um, we pull him aside a little bit later and we pray with him. And, you know, I'm just doing what I've always known to do. 
And later, Andrea was telling us just how special this was. You know, just she could see how it all kind of evolved. And it just touched our hearts and um, probably was the highlight of the trip for us. Because this is a moment, you know, you never know where this is going to go and how you're going to um, influence someone who can influence someone else and someone else and someone else. So we get back to the site, and it had kind of been laid on our hearts that maybe this really was the kid we're supposed to sponsor. And so we get back to the site, and we asked Marjorie, who's in charge of the sponsorship program, um, did he have a sponsor? What did we need to do to sponsor him? Um, and we were describing him, and she said, is that Chi-Chi? And I was like, no, his name's Larry. And she's like, the kid you're describing, that sounds like Chi-Chi. And we just kept on... Like, I was talking about what a good kid he was and how he got saved and just, he was so loving. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not the kid I know. Well, I showed him a picture, showed her a picture. That was Larry. That was the same kid. And so she was just so surprised at what we had done. And she just said, she kept saying over and over, um, God is using you. You're doing something really good with this kid. And she said, he's not on the sponsorship list yet. She said, we will make that happen. She said, there's a reason that you're here. There's a reason that you met Larry. There's a reason that God is putting you together. And so that was really impactful for us. And, you know, it, it touched my heart because in our, our discussions and processing of it, I thought, wow, what if he goes on to grow up to be a minister? What if he does mission work? What if he comes to America? And then we kept talking, what if he becomes like an um a bell who goes in and is spreading the word. And that's pretty powerful because that one day we got to have our hand in that, which is pretty powerful. So then the next day we go and we get to meet the mom. We talk to her about the sponsorship program. We also find out there's a brother. <laughs> it turns out there's two brothers. Um, this is uh, Jarrett. He is nine. He's in the orange shirt. Larry is eight going in the third grade, I believe, and Jarrett's going into fourth grade. We also found out there's an older brother who is 15, I believe, in high school. Um, he was at school that particular day. But we talked to her, and we really wanted to emphasize and make sure they understood what had happened and the commitment Larry had made. And we found out he ran home and told his mom about it. He was so excited. But um, Ben happened to have a Spanish and English Bible. And so we presented that to them um, as just making sure that they have the right tools to be able to teach and minister to Larry um, and the whole family. So we're, we're really hoping that this will go on. And um, this is just the beginning. And then about the rest of the day, we just pretty much... These little boys were glued to us. And, of course, we took both of them in. And um, The sweetest thing is when we would hug them and we would tell them, Te amo, which is I love you in Spanish, they'd already be hugging you, but then as soon as you'd say it, they'd just squeeze you even tighter. And that's something um, very special. So we now have a, a really tight connection with some of the folks in Costa Rica, and I, I hope and pray that we'll be going back to see them. Thank you again for sending us um, in your support. The prayers were absolutely incredible. Um, I have a confession. I, I fell in love in Costa Rica. I fell in love with Christ. Um, before we left, I had asked, put some stuff in my journal that I was hoping would happen with me while I was going. One of the things I put was fall madly in love with Jesus. And I don't know how to explain it, but if you've ever seen someone give their testimony and they talk about how they came out of a hard life and a difficult life and 
you know, maybe drugs or prison, and now they found Christ, and you can see how much they love what Christ has done for them. I got saved when I was six. I really didn't have the, the drug experience my first five years of life, or hadn't been in prison at that point. <laughs> but not living a perfect life, I never, though, really could say I love God, but never really could say I never really truly fallen in love with Him. So that was my prayer during the week. And um, one of the mornings in quiet time, in Matthew 25, I read this. Jesus was asked, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king answered them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And I understood, I think maybe for the first time in reading that scripture, the way to fall madly in love with Christ is loving others. And this little boy, his name was Sebastian. And for whatever reason, he, he picked me for the week to be his baseball partner. And we would take a wiffle ball and a wiffle bat. And I was only about five feet away from him. And every time I backed up to get a little bit further distance, he would come forward because he enjoyed seeing me get hit with a ball. And um, he made contact about 100% of the time, and the ball would make contact with me, and he would laugh, and he didn't say a whole lot, but it was just cool. Well, by Thursday, I'm 40-plus years old, and by Thursday, I was hurting. I mean, every bone in my body, I'm not designed to play soccer or football six or seven hours a day, every day. And um, Thursday, I, I could hardly move, but... Not exaggerating, I probably had pitched the wiffle ball to Sebastian at least a hundred times, and he wanted more. He had hit me once with the ball, well, one of the times with the ball. I went down to pick it up, and I wasn't real confident that I was coming back up. <laughs> and um, the first thought in my head was, I'm done. <laughs> I have my, you know, sweating terribly, sweat running down my back, and hurt. I'm like, I'm done. And the Holy Spirit then spoke to me. And it was this verse. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And I looked at him and realized it's not really playing wiffle ball with Sebastian. It's playing wiffle ball with Christ. And if you want to show how much you love Jesus, find somebody to love on. And we have all the opportunities right in front of us. You don't have to go to Costa Rica to do it. That's that's what happened with me. So thank you for your support. Well, um, I just wanted to, again, like Dad said, thank you all for your support. Um, We felt the prayers, and we needed them greatly. Um, And thank you for your financial support if you contributed. It's just awesome to have a church who's willing to send people internationally like that. But I think you'll probably hear some similar stories from all of us. You know, we all had some very similar experiences. We also had very different experiences. But um, I think all of us had kids that just, for whatever reason, just clicked and connected with us. And that was an awesome experience because all they do is glance at you, and then they run up, you, run up to you and give you a hug, and, and then they're just with you the whole time. And um, so each day we visited two sites, on the same sites each uh, for the whole week, 
And the second side that we went to, there was a group of teenage girls. Um, I think there were three of them. And Monday, Tuesday, you know, we were talking, but they were kind of standoffish, a little too cool to get, to join us for VBS and play the games and hear the stories. But um, so we just kind of talked to them and got to know them. And um, by Thursday was the last day that we went to that site. And for whatever reason, um, we decided to play a game that day, and they really got into it. And they just all of a sudden broke out of their shells, and we invited them to BBS, and they came on Thursday. And they got to hear the gospel, and they listened. And if I moved literally just like half a foot away from one of them, they would run up to me, Whitney, 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 don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. And that is so special to me because it wasn't too long ago that I was their age. So teenage girls can kind of intimidate me a little bit because I'm not too sure how to react to them, but we really clicked and it was awesome. And, you know, I don't know if they got saved as far as I know they didn't, but they did hear the gospel and the seed was planted. And just the fact that you all supported us going and answering God's call is just so awesome. So I love y'all. Thank you so much for your support. All right, well, um, God showed me several things in Costa Rica. And it's funny because, for me, God is in the details I'm kind of a detail person, so when he reveals himself in small ways, he knows what will get me, he knows what will break open my heart and what will reach inside me, and uh, I just wanted to share a couple of those things with you. Um, I did, in fact, play soccer for the very first time. Yeah. Thank you. Let me make something clear, though. I am not a particularly athletic person. I have kind of bad knees because I played basketball when I was younger, and I was a bit too enthusiastic about that. Uh, so I, I was kind of coerced into playing soccer, but th- there was a big out uh, indoor uh, soccer field, and I thought, well, you know, why not? And it was actually a lot of fun. Smashing into Jonathan was a lot of fun. Um, he was a very good sport about it, and we all had fun. So the next day, it was about midweek, um, I woke up, and every morning we have what's called tag time, time alone with God. And for me, as a busy college student, that was really important because cramming God into a schedule that's already as, you know, packed to the max is something that I don't want to do. You know, I want to study the word. I want to spend time with God and I want for him to speak to me. So having the time every morning assured that we would be able to sit down and journal or read the Bible or just pray and prepare for the day ahead was really important. So it was midweek and it was um, the morning after we'd played soccer. And during tag time, I just prayed for God to, a very simple prayer, just, you know, prepare the children for what we have to say and give, give us the words to speak and um, let your work be known, not through our willingness to go even, but just through your power. So um, at our afternoon side, Hardines, um, we played soccer in a large cement courtyard. <coughs> Remember cement, because that's going to be an important word in just a second. Um, and so a couple of the little uh, boys, we called them ticos, and they called us gringos, a couple of the little tico boys were running around, and John and Jerry were booking it with a soccer ball, and they were having a great time. And then John looks over at me, and he goes, hey, Lindsay, come on, we're, we're outnumbered over here. You need to come and help us out with soccer. And I thought, well, you know, I played soccer last night, and I kind of liked it. I think I'll go over there. So I go, and I start playing soccer, and I'm having a, a good time. And then I'm not sure how this happened. 
but the ball comes at me. Um, I try to kick it, but I put my foot up a little too high, so I do a, you know, the crane for a minute there, and I step on the soccer ball, fly about two feet in the air, go like this, and go, so, and, and I popped right back up, like, like that, so, I, I had prayed that morning for God to make his will known through me, and for him to demonstrate his love, and I'm going to be very real here for a second. I'm actually a very self-conscious person. I do consider myself a leader, but only when I know what I'm doing in that leadership position. So for me to do something crazy like soccer and to come out of my shell, even though it was a very small thing, again, God was in the details and he said, you know what, you follow me and you're going to get smashed down, but wasn't that awesome? And later we were talking about it and I'm thinking... Yeah, I just popped right back up from a cement courtyard. I went right back to the game, and John, of course, comes over, and he goes, Oh, my gosh, are you hurt? Are you okay? I was, like, bleeding. I saw bruises, and it was just awesome. So I think I probably have some <laughs> some cement from Jardines in Costa Rica still embedded in my hand. But So God, uh, God showed me a lot in that regard, just praying that his will will be made known and that it's okay to fall down because you will get smashed, but it's, it's really okay. So... Um, he also showed me during the week not to be um, anxious, especially about ministry. And I know that God's hand was on this trip, and I know that I, at um, risk of sounding like a PBS station, thank you so much for your support, because we truly felt the prayers and we felt the love that this church uh, sent us off with. And uh, while we were in Costa Rica, you know, there are some things that could have gone very wrong. The bus could have broken down, or we could have gotten pulled over, or it could have rained all day, or the kids could not have chosen to have been to have been so responsive or, you know, any number of things could have happened. But um, while we were there, I was a memory verse leader, and I, I chose to take a kind of crazy approach to this. Uh, we had puppets that we took from the mission to the sites, and I chose this one particular puppet with very fashionable high-heeled purple shoes, and her name was Crazy Rosa, and she was going to teach the memory verse to the children. So... I wasn't really sure when I stood up in front of the children and we were under a big tent and standing on this rainbow parachute and I took the puppet in my hand and she was just kind of sitting there looking at the kids, you know, kind of opening her mouth being like, every so often just to kind of get their attention. <clears throat> and um, um, I had little slips of paper with the memory verse written out in Spanish <coughs> and our goal for the week was to have the children memorize this verse by the time we were done. So every day at uh, both of the two sites, Managua and Jardines, Crazy Rosa made her appearance, and the children weren't sure what to think of her at first because we had the translator recite the verse, and then the children would repeat it back. And all of a sudden, Crazy Rosa goes, ah! and she starts going crazy, and I throw her at the kids, and they're like, what's going on here? We don't know what to do with this. So they throw the puppet back, and they, they all go crazy, and they're just not sure what to think of Crazy Rosa, but... I think it was Thursday, we were at our morning site in Managua, and um, I <clears throat> hear this chanting, and I look over, and all throughout the week I've been worrying, you know, the children aren't paying attention to Crazy Rosa, and they're paying more attention to the puppet rather than the memory verse, and I'm not doing my job, and I'm a failure, and I shouldn't be on this trip, and all of these anxious doubts started broiling around in my mind, and then I hear this chanting, and I look over, and the children, without any help from a translator or anyone, 
They're going through the entire verse to the reference, saying it down pat. They had completely memorized the verse. And it was not because of my work. It wasn't because of the puppet, thank goodness. It was because God had decided to use me as a vessel by which to make his work accomplished. So um, God God definitely showed me a lot. And um, I don't want to get long-winded here, but turn with me if you will. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Um, in John John 21... Jesus has been resurrected, and he's sitting on the beach, um, and he sees the disciples out on the sea, and um, the disciples have been fishing all night, and they're tired, and they're weary, and um, Jesus calls them and says, hey, you know, what what you caught, which back then was sort of like a protocol, people on the shore would say, hey, what have you caught to the fishermen, and they would say, you know, we got, you know, 2,000 fish, or whatever, and the disciples hadn't caught anything, and they were discouraged. And so Jesus said, you know, throw your note, throw your uh, your net over the other side. And you're all familiar with the story. But um, the point of the story for me was that um, when Peter found out that Jesus was on the shore, he immediately pulls the boat in, and they take all their fish to the shore, and they had sort of like a, an intimate breakfast with the risen Christ. And I've always loved this story because I've, I've identified with Peter. You know, he's kind of anxious. He's a... He's kind of a worrier. He's impulsive. Like if someone was threatening, my God, yeah, I'd cut off someone's ear. Um, so, but the intimacy in that passage really has spoken to me through the years. And interestingly enough, it was one of the passages that Tim, the mission leader at Pura Vida, covered. And, you know, that intimate relationship that is demonstrated between Peter and Christ on the shore is something that we can have. Whether or not we go to a foreign land or go to some far-flung place or do some you know, powerful work that everyone looks and goes, oh, wow, you're such a great person. That isn't the point. Whether you go overseas or whether you are serving God right there in the home, that's where you're supposed to be. And um, as, as you know, I was a homeschooled student, and something that's very interesting between that very special relationship is that whenever mom gets up and she sets herself up for failure that day, we can tell. You know, we are totally riding that wave. We got that vibe from her, and we will pick on that endlessly. She is such a a patient saint but um what i was thinking on the trip is that if i set myself up to come back and to be depressed about oh you know american greed and oh well i can't carry that type of passion that i had in costa rica back to the states i actually came back with sort of a renovated um outlook on my relationship with christ because what i did in costa rica is no different from what i could be doing in the states it's a matter of carrying the passion back and being willing to get smashed on the cement to be crazy with the puppets and to come out of my comfort zone daily it's a daily struggle but to carry the passion back and to present it to y'all and say don't set yourself up to be disappointed with christ there is no being disappointed with christ you have to follow in his footsteps and you have to get up every morning and you have to say I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to let myself be smashed down because it is okay. Whether or not I ever go outside of the U.S., whether I even do anything other than what you mean for me right now, right here to be doing, that's okay. You can smash me down if you want to, but I want to have that type of intimacy that you had with Peter on the shore. So I encourage you um, to keep praying. Thank you for the, the prayers that you've given us. It was truly an amazing experience. And um, I hope that the Lord works in your life as he has worked in mine. Um, I want to thank y'all again for helping us, supporting us to go um, internationally. I just want to say it's life-changing. It changed my life a lot. Um, I'm guilty of this. Us Americans, we get what we, get what we want, but we're not really satisfied. 
And just to see when we went to Managua what they live in and what y'all saw in the pictures, it really touched me um, because them kids are happy there and they that's all they know. And um, so, I mean, I'm really blessed I was able to go and was able to get the money to go. And the kids are... <coughs> They're so adorable, and this one little girl, Natalia, you saw her with me, one of those, she attached to me um, the first day she came, and she, she wasn't there like Tuesday or Wednesday, but the next day she came, and I wanted her there, it was our last day at Managua, I wanted her there, but I didn't, because I knew I would cry when we left, um, but I didn't, <laughs> um, I really miss her, and the teenage girls that Whitney was talking about, um, I was kind of scared to go and talk to them because I didn't know Spanish or anything. And um, Susan helped us a little bit, and she told her told them our names and stuff. And by Thursday, mm-hmm. Thursday we played the uh, it's a cup game, and we got to grow a relationship with them. And one of the girls was really attached to Whitney, and the other girl Georgia, um, she got attached to me. And when we was leaving. Um, she kind of, like, I guess they both got a little teary-eyed and stuff. And it really touched my heart because I was so scared to go to Costa Rica. I mean, I was happy, but I was scared. And, like, I didn't know what I was going to do there. I didn't know, you know, how I react or anything. But I really enjoyed it, and I want to thank you all again. And thank you all for y'all's prayers. Buenos dias. It's very good to be back home with a family that, that you know loves you by the support that they've given you in prayers and in money. Uh, my speech is a little bit different from theirs. I think it's because I'm the senior citizen of the bunch. In fact, I was a senior citizen of everybody there. So, you know, I guess it's you're, you're as old as you feel and as gutsy as you are. <clears throat> but um, I, I think first by saying that um, I had my birthday, my first year birthday last year, or last week. And I was one year old last Tuesday in, in the Lord, and I think that that's part of the reason that uh, that the approach I'm taking is a little bit more powerful, maybe than what um, others might have. And uh, I felt like the last uh, two weeks ago, the Father took me on our very first trip together, and that there were many things that He wanted to teach me and show me during that period of time. As I looked out of the plane window at the specks that were houses below. I knew that he was also was mindful of the fact he's also looking down at everyone that lives in every one of those houses, that he knows their names, the hairs on their heads, he knows what they're thinking, what they're doing, what they're going to do, and that he has a plan for each one of their lives. He knows that some of them are non-believers. He knows that some of them are fans who know him, know about him, and admire him. And he knows that there are some who are followers who are wholeheartedly committed to serving his purposes for them. Uh, God introduced me to quite a few of his followers during our week at Pura Vida, people that were committed to serving him. And you could just tell by their energy and their enthusiasm that their heart was with, with God. On Monday morning, God took me um, on a tour um, to, a, I guess you could call it a strip of homes, but it seemed more, more appropriately called a strip of concrete uh, dwellings that were barely patched together. You saw some of the slides were... Uh, corrugated metal seems to just have been recycled and recycled. What we would, what we would throw away in our landfill makes their homes. Uh, they call this area Managua because a lot of the people that live there are refugee, refugees from Nicaragua and it's an area of extreme poverty. There is a sadness and humility that, that, that gripped our hearts as we tried to walk down that road fighting back our tears. 
We had to dodge dog feces as we stumbled through what was a very treacherous rocky path that led us to the weedy spot where we'd spend a few hours each morning speaking and play, playing and teaching uh, with the little beautiful little children that lived there. Uh, they were so precious. If your heart didn't melt in the depth of their eyes, certainly their gleeful, their gleeful laughter and their bright smiles would melt your heart. Uh, as bleak as all this seemed to me, God pointed out that there was a sense of peace and contentment there that um, that abided in this area that so few of us seemed to be able to grasp. Each morning as I'd walk down the path, we'd gather the kids, and I spent a lot of time being being older. I guess I, I, we had these little pack, these little uh, tracks in Spanish about salvation, so I would I would try to converse with the adults and hand out um, hand out those as well as try to converse in Spanish what little I knew about flowers. And I learned that being a gardener, um, the genus species names of flowers are universal. So if I'd go up and say petunia, and they say petunia, you know, I'd get real excited. So we, we would talk about flowers, and, and they also, uh, I would converse with them about, or attempt to, uh, about their home improvement. They were doing concrete or, or sweeping their sidewalks, and, uh, and one fellow was painting his house. And to me, these are some of the most joyful times that I had. Um, God showed me that we can sponsor children there, and that's been mentioned um, by Regina. Um, it's a major gift to them. It's so very, very little from us, but it's a major gift to them because it gives them, um, it opens doors of opportunity and changes lives. Uh, they can't afford paper and pencils. They can't afford, obviously, they can't afford that. They can't afford books and crayons and uniforms and things. Um, but the, the neat thing is that the sponsorship also offers the families and the children some ministry on the gospel so that... Um, that the Lord is uh, able to reach their hearts that way. God just revealed so many things to me that during the week, and uh, he was working in us and working in, in them as well. And, you know, it's sometimes his presence was so powerful, you just had to stop and just praise him and thank him for what he was doing. And all this, everything was going really well until about Wednesday. I need to take a break just a minute. I'm one of those that, that got sick. On Wednesday... God intensified our lessons during our uh, teens group discussion that night. Our translator came in and told us that while a 14-year-old boy was riding his bicycle, he had been killed and decapitated, and he was on the waiting list for sponsorship. Grief like I have seldom felt swept over me for this unknown child. My first response was, was he saved? Nobody knew. And I sat there thinking, I, I know where we're all sitting on these couches at Pura Vida, but where is this child and where is this spirit? Where is this soul? And um, grief quickly turned to a heavy sense of conviction. And it felt as if God was saying to me and to say to all of us, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I've asked you to do for me. Will you follow me? Will you sacrifice of yourself And when you put doing what my will is first in your life, you are my hands to love and serve my children in need. You are my feet to visit the sick and in prison. You are my voice to spread the gospel to my lost children. If you love me, you will obey me. We each need to ask ourselves two questions. Where do, where do I stand in my relationship with God? And am I a fan or am I a follower? 
it all boils down to how much we love God and his children and how much we're willing to sacrifice to walk with Christ. Our church is in a period of transition. We are in such a beautiful place to more fully commit ourselves to our walk with Christ. And it is my heartfelt prayer and continues to be that we will all ache, our hearts will ache to obey Christ's call to become his true followers. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, I just want to say what an honor it is to be a part of you. Um, I know when I first came here, we had dinner at Jerry and Regina's, and we were talking. And I just, I knew that Regina, you had said that you had been saved. And I said, well, I don't know anybody. What you know and here? And I said, have you been saved, Jerry? And he said, no. And um, and just our conversations past that point. And then uh, on the Sunday morning when the Lord just broke through and did a work in your heart. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. And uh, Bianca, you actually helped me move in. Barry, when I got here. And I've been here just a little over two years with you guys. And uh, just showed down a few things. Um, when I saw Susan giving her testimony in front of these kids, I remember Susan's discussion with me about whether Christianity was true. She was at that point to where she was searching, say, is, is this, I mean, is there, is this real or is this just a cultural thing? Incredible questions. And the Lord saved Susan. She went to Costa Rica and she's going to tell us next week how the Lord's going to use her in India to do one of the most incredible things we could possibly imagine. Um, Lindsay, seeing you do crazy Rosa, I wish that we had time to unpack what that was like because she made this doll come alive to the point that I think the doll, the, the puppet, that's right. This puppet come alive to the point to where you thought it was somewhat a split personality with Tourette's, with a twitch or two thrown in. I mean, it was just absolutely awesomely random and bizarre. So I would go to the kids and, Loca Rosa, Loca Rosa. They would look for it. And, and that's, it was an awesome way to, to actually use creativity in teaching kids the word of God. And also Lindsay's, um, Soccer playing was absolutely, it was just like a defensive force. Like she, when someone would come into her lane, she would not only try to get the ball, but she used, would she use like the football shove or MMA. I'm not sure if you studied MMA or what that was. It was awesome. Um, Bianca, uh, I know this was your first time out of the country as opposed to a lot, a lot of other people as well. When she got there, it wasn't, I thought, what would I do at her age? I mean, I'd stand there with my comb over at, you know, it's, it's, Senior in high school with hands in the pockets looking at the ground and going, Ooh. So, but what she did is she went and she found kids. She went and just brought them into her arms. It was absolutely incredible, incredible to see that. Um, Elena, the same thing. She just went and found kids. When, when, when we hit the ground, Rocky Mount Baptist Church, praise God, was not awkward. Amen? Right? Like, how weird would that be? You show up on a mission trip and everybody just stands around like that. But she went and found, uh, kids. Regina and Jerry, there's a shot that was on 
the slideshow of both of them sharing the gospel together. Regina shared the story of Ruth. Jerry came in and shared the gospel to children. And I'm like, man, just a little over two years, I met this family and the bro wasn't even saved. And now he's a long way. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto type of a place. And he's sharing the gospel through uh, an interpreter. And then Ben um, since Ben's here, I can say this. I heard that his nickname from high school was Blood. So those of you who know Ben, that totally fits. Um, just seeing him. And there's some funny things, too. We don't have time to get into. Like, for example, uh, one of the nights Ben and Jerry had, they were rooming together. So it was Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> Somebody that wants to know what's going on, just tell him after. It's ice cream. Anyway. But uh, but he Ben was there. And I was like, how cool is this? I've been able to be a part of this church and the chairman of the deacons is sharing the gospel with you in another country. Now let me stop. I believe that a lot of churches today, Baptist churches, they want to do missions, but there's so much infighting. There's so much strife. And I'm not trying to make a joke here, but if you can't agree upon the color of the carpet or what type of coffee cups you're going to use, you're sure not going to pool your resources and plan to go overseas. So I praise God for the spirit of unity and leadership he's given. Ben kind of coined a phrase, a phrase when we had our share time. And he says, you know what? I think that this type of obedience in Rocky Mount Baptist Church can become addictive. Amen. That's a good word. Um, Whitney, all the songs that we basically practiced and you practiced before, didn't use them. So Whitney was an excellent example of being flexible, going there. And there's a ta- song ta- called the Tootsie Wootsie Song. Um, every time I say that, I feel like I have to go find a large man and engage in Mortal Kombat to earn back man points from saying the Tootsie Woodsy song. After I finish here, I'm going to go straight to the basement and work the heavy bag for 30 minutes. But it's an awesome song. She can teach it as a great example of flexibility. Um, Jonathan, um, I just have to say, those of you who are on Facebook, he did something that was not authorized by the pastor. During the week, he put a picture of me getting a teenage boy into a headlock, forward slash body lock, some type of a guillotine choke, and the caption read, Beating people into Christ, whatever it takes, dot, dot, dot. So, um, I hope that was entertaining to you, but we did not harm children, just to let you know. The last night um, that we were at the mission, we had a Lord's Supper, and it was a little bit different. We, we grabbed a, a hunk of bread and dipped it in the juice, and we took the Lord's Supper that, that way. And Jonathan was the first one to the altar to pray. And that... What is, that was an example that I needed to see. Those of you know who those of you those of you who know John Gerani, um, he took it upon himself to kind of intervene with some teenage boys who wanted to be a part of it, but were a little bit too, too cool for school, and they were trying to interfere uh, with some of the stuff. So John just decided to uh, proctor an impromptu mixed martial arts training session. And uh, it was hilarious because we said if you had seen it from the road, you would have seen a large muscular man tossing around, you know, teenage boys. And he said, what if the leader of the mission, Tim, shows up and sees that? You know, so but John did a great job. Um, Sue, your preparation for crafts was awesome. Um, if you want to hear how good your pastor is at VBS crafts, just ask Sue Beckett and she will have testimonies uh, to you of my. Um, you better stick with this job. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. 
But uh, Sue was so prepared for that and just everyone was so flexible on the trip. And I just want to thank you all once again. I have some comments I'm going to make um, along next week's message when Susan is here and kind of give you more of a breakdown on on how we're supposed to approach this. And some people say, well, do we have to go overseas to be obedient to the Lord or how does that all work? And we're going to try to break down some of that next week. Um, But what uh, one verse I would leave you with is Acts Chapter 1, verse 8, and Jesus says, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends or the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem is people near us who's like us. That's Rocky Mount. Judea is people like us, but they may be a little bit of driving distance. Samaria means the most awkward social, ethnic, socioeconomic class Opposed to you, contrary to maybe even what you're comfortable with, to the Samaritans. Which means you go to people, like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that it is the the publicans, not republicans, but the publicans, the, the tax sheets there, they greet those who greet them. He said, if you greet those who greet you, what do you more than the pagans? And then he says to the uttermost parts of the earth. Costa Rica is a long way away. I praise God for this church. And last Sunday before we left, I saw everybody lined up here. There are people crying. And uh, maybe I, I know I've said this many times. I, I may be partly to blame when I said in the sermon, we're going to go to Costa Rica and we're going to share the gospel even if it means that we. And I was like, wait, we just said that we're all going to be martyred in Costa Rica. So people, you know, and so forth. But one thing that the Lord just showed me uh, when we were in Greensboro heading out, I uh, let everybody get their tickets and get cleared and Someone got in front of the line. They said, well, do you want, me to, want us to wait for you? I said, why don't y'all just go ahead and get cleared through security? And I'm waiting for this person in front of me to be finished. And I look and I see all of our missions team pulling and carrying their luggage. And it's kind of like the weight of leadership hit. I said, there are dads, there are sons, there are daughters, there are husbands and wives. And we're about to get on a couple planes and go a long way over a lot of agua. We're going to be eating a lot of different stuff. We're going to be encountering a lot of different things. And there's a lot of... You know I'm talking about those what ifs that hit? I said, Lord, we just ask you to take care of this. This is not my idea. I didn't say go into all the world and teach the gospel. You did. And you've raised these people up to be obedient to that. You've raised up a whole church who has given, who has prayed. So we're just going to put it in your hands. So thank you once again for being a church who cares about people who can't help themselves. Let's just, before we bow for the invitation, can we just, if this would not be irreverent, let's just give the Lord praise for what he has done. Let's do that.